Welcome to VR in Education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of VR in Education. In today's episode, we're focusing on getting perspective from new educators who are looking at adopting 3D spatial learning environments into their schools and programs. You know, on these shows, we often lean on experts who have been tracking this area for many, many years. They're often sort of gurus who have followed the VR scene. Uh, But this time around, it's so important also to talk about adopters who are diving in more recently. So John Kelly's our a founder, he's a CEO and proud father of Colegio Ikiga. It's an innovative K-12 school in Mexico City. John's capacity to take risks and be innovative is super high. So John firmly believes that although we cannot choose how many years we live, we can choose how much life those years will have. Pretty profound. So it's clear that innovation is part of making the most of life. So John's here today to talk about he, how he is using Web 3.0 and this sort of fancy term that they, we throw out lately, which is the metaverse, to maybe move his school community forward. So welcome to the show, John. Thank you very much. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me on. We always start with kind of an origin story. So Tell us more about what was your aha moment in regards to maybe seeing 3D spatial environments as having potential for education? I think definitely my aha moment was working with my own son throughout the pandemic. Um, I just came to the conclusion quite, quite quickly and just watching the sort of passion drain out of his face as he was subjected to yet another Zoom call and another Zoom meeting and you know, it just it, it was it was it was so stifling for him. Um, but actually, when I uh, showed him all of my ideas around around yeah around this catch-all term of metaverse, uh, and I started to show him some of the some of the stuff I was doing in spatial IO, you know, I just saw a different light return to his eyes. Um, and it, it wasn't just it wasn't just my son. You know, I started um, I was the I was the school director of a, a large school K twelve school at that time, and I started. You know, introducing those ideas into into the uh, the friends of my son, and the same thing was happening. You know, I was I was putting them in into these uh, metaverse, imaginary, creative worlds, these mirror worlds, uh, watching them play with Fortnite and Roblox, and you know, just being really inspired by that. And uh, that was really my aha moment. I was like, no, you know, we need to, we need to move away from these sort of life logging um, Zoom call type environments. And, and be much more creative. And when we did make that step uh, with with the children, and when I made that step with my my son, you know, I really saw forward advances. And I also saw my son as well. He learned how to do a Rubik's cube, and he learned how to do the Rubik's cube by simply sat in front of the YouTube channel, his YouTube channel, which shows you the algorithm, and him just sort of like turning off the YouTube video, trying to learn the algorithm, jumping back on again. 
And I just noticed that, you know, this sort of jumping between the digital and the real world really worked for them. Um, and, and that was when I thought, okay, you know, when, when I get the chance uh, to start my own school and when, and when I get the chance to, to really go in this direction, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go in this direction because I think it's very valuable to learning for children and very applicable to the types of skill sets and mindsets that the children have in this day and age. And fast forward now, uh, you have started your own school. Tell us a little bit more about that innovative school that you're now starting. Yeah, so I, I've, you know, a, a mass, I had a massive slice of luck in my life, I must admit. I managed to meet the right investors at the right time who were looking to start a school. Um, they're young guys. They sort of share the same vision that I do. Um, they're also willing to take a little bit of time from their investment and my investment uh, and let their school grow organically. Um, but once I met them and we talked about what, what is it that we want to do, we were very, very clear that we wanted to create a school that was moving away from traditional forms of learning, was a non-traditional type school, and wanted to introduce into Mexico. I'm not too sure if it's the, the first school in Mexico, but we wanted to introduce phenomenon-based learning from Finland. Um, because what we really believed in as, as a, a group of investors uh, were the seven competencies wheels of Finnish education and to design citizens uh, and to create citizens who, you know, were morally good people. Um, one of the impulses for this school is to try and help Mexico over the, uh, you know, in the future to create leaders who can really make an impact and change. And much of that pedagogy um, can be found in, in, in phenomenon-based learning. We're not bringing all of the elements of phenomenon-based learning over, but we definitely want to create this idea that, you know, this, the students are going to develop projects um, based on sustainable development goals of the UN, and the result is going to be them taking action in their in their environment. Um, so that was the first thing. I had a massive slice of luck to to find the right people who wanted to invest at the right time. The universe kind of just opened up for me in that sense. I, and since then, I've been on this amazing journey. That was, you know, we we signed uh, we signed a ten year contract for the the, the school site uh, in January. On January the fifteenth, we moved in. Um, and, you know, we've had to remodel the entire school site. A lot of my focus has been on, uh, you know, dealing with constructors and, you know, the more prosaic elements of getting the school started. But behind me, I was like, OK, let's really start to throw myself into, into this way. What would, it, what, what, what would it take? What would happen if we started with the project based learning in that dual reality, in that digital learning, you know, where students can jump from? Um, jump from the, the classroom into the real world, into the into a, into a metaverse world and back and forth. And then another aha moment I had, and um, this is kind of like how I connected into you, Craig, was I had the great fortune to be, uh, I, I had the great fortune to be looking around a metaverse world once, and I found Andrew Wright from Edu Metaverse, who's been a guest on the show. And, you know, I just had a 30-minute conversation with him, but he managed to explain to me what he'd been doing in Australia with his primary school students and how effective it had been. And that's when it all sort of fell into place about what we wanted to do there. Um, so we named our school Kolekio Ikigai, which is a Japanese word. Um, and quite interestingly enough, uh, a Japanese, uh, an American Japanese researcher just got in touch with me, actually, and, and uh, has shared a, a number of uh, podcasts with me about what is the real meaning of the word. But iki in, in Japanese uh, means life, and gai in Japanese means value or journey in life. Um, so the mission of our school is to make sure that our students 
can discover their passion in life through academic excellence. Um, and I think this is so vital to the future that I, I don't quite believe in standardized testing in schools, although I do believe in external validation of exam results except, uh, and, ex and baseline testing. But at the same time, what I want is to create a school where our children uh, can come to school and feel as if they, they are exploring their passions and their interests, that they are being supported when they, you know, questioning the world around them, that we're not closing doors to them, that we're actually opening doors, especially through our, our, our academic program. And one of the ways that I think will look in, in massively, massively open creativity, imagination, critical thinking, communication, collaboration is all of the elements that I can see in, in the metaverse concept. Um, and so that's how, how the school was born. We've got a group of teachers coming to join us. We have, we currently have 24 students, um, and 24 paying students and six of our own children who are coming to, to the school from the teachers. So we have 30 students at the moment and growing. Uh, the school actually can only, uh, the maximum capacity of the school is 108 students. But we're trying to create this, this boutique uh, sort of environment for them where they can have really hyper-personalized attention, great feedback from their teachers. And, and we can really have the liberty to, to put into the school exactly what I want to put into a school. So for me, it's just an amazing opportunity. And uh, you know, it's been an amazing experience so far starting my own school in, in Mexico. Highs, massive highs, massive lows, but really an, an interesting journey so far. You know, there's so much there that I could uh, unpack and dwell on, but I'm going to start with the word open doors, which is definitely a great metaphor for how you described sort of your discovery of how you might use the hybrid classroom and therefore these fantastic 3D worlds, which can offer, if designed correctly, a context for students to, as you talked about, discover or go on a journey or start to get curious about stuff that maybe they've never seen before or maybe they're learning in the classroom. And you want to extend that almost like some sort of wonderful field trip to go to a place that maybe they couldn't hop on a bus or a plane to go to. You know, Andrew Wright, which as you alluded to, was on my show and his uh, plethora of um, edu metaverses that he provides for people sort of follows that brilliant model of, you know, if you want to take your kids somewhere to discover and see, you know, these worlds you still have to sort of help them along the way to question and see things. And my pitch has always been to people, especially people within some of the schools that I've been at, is you've just got to try it. Alas, John, that's not always the best pitch. I don't think it sort of would win anything in a Shark Tank contest. So how do you see it as you get these new teachers coming in and as you kind of mold your school how would you adapt that elevator pitch to convince them that this is such an amazing medium to start to dabble in and learn about to use for quality education? Which is quite interesting. The, the, the families that are coming to visit us um, really have, have really got no concept of, of what it actually is. And so when I'm actually showing them, you know, the, the different at the moment we use, I'm using a program quite extensively called Frame VR, which sort of stands behind Verbella. And again, that was introduced to me by Andrew Wright, which is where he creates his edu metaverses. And it seems to me that as soon as the parents sort of see 
what it actually is and how you can bring those assets in and how you can sort of inspire children to to sort of jump between these two worlds and what the potential is, I think it's actually quite an easy sale to the parents. Um, I think the majority of parents kind of draw the line, I can see, at the VR headsets. I can still see this is like a kind of cultural barrier that we need to kind of like get over or just wait until you know, there's, there's, there's a different type of solution on the table in education. But the actual concept of, of children coming in, using the screen to, to visit uh, Egypt and fantastic different historical sites that they couldn't mind, it's actually a really easy sale for the, for the, for the parents. But on the, on the teacher side, what I found is really interesting is we've been running some, I don't know if you've been, you saw some of my LinkedIn posts, but we've been running some training for, for teachers in how to create and how to create a, a, a metaverse, you know, like how to go in, how to find, select assets, what you can do in those environments, and how to how to train how to train the, the the community, and how to how to use that as a tool in your own curriculum planning. So I think this has been like some some uh, some some big advancements. Um, I think I often you know education is often a show don't tell me kind of situation, but it seems to me that naturally. Uh, creative teachers and naturally students and parents who I think after the pandemic are genuinely looking for something different in education are sort of just naturally gravitating towards these ideas. Also, you know, what I'm very clear about with the parents is that, you know, we're going to take all the restrictions and all the necessary precautions not to have children in front of that screen for too long, but to think about if we are going to bring in headsets and VR headsets, how that actually is going to work and, and what that is actually going to look like. Um, so I think these are some of the more interesting elements of, of what we're what we're trying to do. I've used Frame VR and I like it a lot. I think it's super simplistic, and therefore the learning curve for teachers who are new to this sort of thing, spatial learning, they have kind of a low uh, lower barrier to get in because it's almost like creating a PowerPoint slide where you can drag and drop a picture on there. You could add some text. What are some challenges so far that you've seen trying to help teachers learn these in this environment? I think like the first thing was just getting them to just engage and interact. It was really interesting. The first session I took five teachers into Frame VR, and you know as we were as we were just starting the session, and my teachers are quite really socialized to my ideas and, and where I want to go with the school. One of my teachers said to me, "Oh no." You know, this is never going to work. This, you know, there was like like a resentment that just came out of nowhere. So I said, look, let's just go in and explore and, and play with the system and, and see what you think first off. So I just gave them sort of like 20, 25 minutes to go in and play around with the system. In that 20 to 25 minutes, they'd managed to bring in, you know, a whole range of different 3D assets, a, a news feed. There's been like a whole, whole different, they were just playing with the system basically. And we came back. You know, we talked about like what can you see as some of the uh, some of the ideas behind this, and actually all of the things that that I'd been talking about in school about creating ex an exponential mindset, about thinking about you know how we can you know get children to think about moonshot thinking and a purpose driven mindset and all of the things that I really want to create around leadership in the school, um, all of a sudden made sense to them. And I think after that, um, the next couple of sessions that we did, and, and, and I was trying to, I'm trying to get them to a point where they can give me a test class or a practice class, and we'll bring some of our students in. In fact, we're planning to bring some of our students in in the, in the next week, actually, in, in one week's time. 
to start to like test some of these ideas out with with children. Um, but I, actually, extremely uh, once we open unlocked that creative idea behind uh, behind Frame VR and what the, the concept was, I felt the teachers all have just streamed through the open door. Uh, it was just you know once I gave them permission to be creative and to experiment and to use their imagination and to bring a curriculum alive, they've really, really run with it. So I can only see that you know, it's going to be a success in the school. The first, the first elements that I'm seeing are, uh, you know, are very promising because we've got a very solid curriculum. We've done a lot of work in designing our curriculum. And now what we're doing is we're adding that digital layer over the top of our curriculum. And I think that's where it starts to get really exciting. There are a few limitations to these more simplistic metaverse design apps. One of them is once you've created your world and then put in maybe a few assets like a boat or whatever, those assets can't really be highly interactive where you can actually pick it up or throw it. So I guess the the physics within the world are very limited and is that okay to you? Like, uh, you know, if you think about how we use manipulatives in the real physical classroom, we might have some beakers because we're doing some sort of science experiment and the kids can kind of pick up the beaker and pour water and all those sorts of things. Whereas right now for a frame, that's not yet possible. Is that okay? What are your thoughts on that? I think at the moment, that's great. I mean, it's, I think the more simplistic, the better at the moment. Although, you know, obviously I have got one eye on, you know, how can we make things more sophisticated? Um, I really love the idea, you know, I saw a couple of studies about VR that it can, it can actually expand empathy and, you know, you can use it to change people's attitudes and, and it can actually start to form part of social emotional work especially because you can be transported in there. And I think most of the, the, the areas that I've seen that sort of really transport you into, into the world are the ones that have the sort of more sophisticated interaction systems. Um, but at the moment, I'm absolutely fine with the simplicity of frame VR. I say simplicity, you know, like for, for, as well for us, we're like, wow, this is pretty, you're pretty advanced. Uh, and I think that's where the newbie type element comes in, because for the vast majority of teachers, and, and I mean the vast majority of teachers, this idea is, you know, is wild for them. It's a wild idea. And so the, 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 the most simplistic, the better in the first year, I think. And, you know, if we can get some good test data out of the pilot program and we can actually demonstrate to our, our, our students in our community that it's actually working, I think that that's better than becoming like you know, too complex, too quick. Um, I also saw, you know, I've also been reading about um, trauma victims who they can, they can, you know, you can, you can deal with uh, PTSD issues in there. And again, it's all, all about how complex you can make those systems. But for us in, in a kinder and a primary school, when really the basis we're looking at is collaboration. And the basis comes from, from, from those ideas over from Finland. Like the basis of phenomenon-based learning is, is can you create collaborative learning environments? But that idea, you know, frame VR is is perfect for us. Yeah. And, you know, I can't help but think of, you know, social, emotional regulation and how key that is, especially, you know, coming hopefully slowly out of the pandemic. So one thing that we saw at the school as more and more kids 
started to come back to the physical classroom was just learning routines. But also some kids were hypersensitive about the simplest of things like a fire drill. So I, I came up with this idea of designing just a really simple uh, classroom. And then we had two particular students, two boys who literally, you know, shut down if the fire alarm went off just for several reasons. So we designed just within a, a VR platform, it was Mozilla Hubs, you know, a digital twin of the classroom and we could put in like a, a, a fire bell and then the sound of it. So we, we brought these two boys into a separate room and we had them look at the VR space that we had created, the metaverse, and we just triggered the fire alarm. And what a difference that made that just simple sort of seeing sort of what was the digital twin and seeing it happening and hearing it happening within the metaverse really gave them a, a tiny scaffold that allowed them then the next time there was a real fire drill, it didn't quite trigger the emotional, um, I guess, melee of, uh, you know, making them sort of almost not sort of possible to get out of the building. Yeah, I, I, I had a very similar experience. Obviously, in Mexico, we're in an earthquake zone. And, you know, the last uh, major earthquake was 2017 which oddly enough was the year that I was living in Colombia. I was in Colombia, so I didn't actually live through the last major earthquake, but a lot of our children did. And, you know, the earthquake drill now in schools really triggers children socially and emotionally. And you saying that now just led me to the idea of like, you know, if you can, if you can socialize the students through, um, through immersive environments and VR before it actually happens, Pretty sure you're going to get, um, you know, a much safer response if there's another, uh, like if there's even if there's a drill or if there's a real earthquake, students will be able to sort of anticipate those motions better. Um, and I think there's a, I think there's a huge, huge area of social emotional learning to bring in, in this type of technology. And I think you know it could be extremely, extremely powerful, especially if you know you're trying to you know overturn, um, maybe you turn your attention to something like racism, for example, or um, and, you know, intolerance in society. I think, you know, there's a massive area that could be exploited uh, with um, immersive technologies in really, 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 you know, making headways into changing children's attitudes about these ingrained areas in our, in our society. Yeah, well said, John. I mean, there are simulators that are more advanced out there that are great use cases, like doctors, for example, might practice knee surgery in a VR simulator. I haven't seen any really um, specific targeted ones for teachers though. If you think about being thrust onto the teacher profession and it's so complex, there's, you know, you walk into a classroom, even if you're still just learning through a college or a university how to be a teacher, you know, your head is just swimming about the amount of decisions that you have to make. You've got to maintain discipline. You've got to have good questioning skills. You've got to make, uh, you know, differentiated in, uh, instruction happen. You have to make sure that you're pacing your lesson. And wouldn't it be wonderful, or I, I sort of get your thoughts on how uh, a teaching VR simulator might help in all these crazy amount of skills that we have to expect teachers to do. I think you, you could definitely accelerate skills, right? I think that would be the main thing. I 
I, you know, it was one of the, the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life was learn how to become a school teacher and pass all the qualifications needed to stand in front of a class. And, and that's just to get into the classroom. I don't think I really, personally, I don't think I really fully matured as a, as a, as a teacher that could really offer results that the schools wanted until I was sort of like in my early 30s. And I started teaching when I was 28. So, you know, if you could accelerate that process um, through some simulation and, and through, uh, you know, practice in these in, in immersive environments, I would be absolutely all for it. I think you could. I think, I think it's applicable almost in any kind of performance related skill. Um, I saw just recently on, on LinkedIn, um, uh, it, was, it was an AR, or, uh, you were the conductor of an AR orchestra. And I thought, oh, well, you know, that's absolutely fantastic to to bring into into a school environment, and let let's see what the, the children could do with that. Again, coming back to that idea of, well, let's just see what happens if we if we bring it in. But in yeah. terms of in in terms of teaching skills, you know, when you're inside a classroom, you you do have a lot of things happening and a lot of things going on, and it takes a lot of sort of practice, a lot of repertoire, and a lot of making mistakes. Which you could make those mistakes in 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 a simulation world and and really advance teachers forward, especially if you, again if you're talking about even just teaching uh, tactics and teaching strategies, a lot of it is performance based strategies, uh, and that's really what differentiates differentiates amazing teachers from teachers that are still in formation or learning, is that you know when uh, you know when they get into those situations, those high pressurized situations, and when they're delivering those classes. Do you, can they draw upon these 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 performance-based tactics? Um, and so I think you know I think there's a, a huge area of opportunity for VR uh, VR and immersive environments in that in that area. John, what's your short and then maybe long-term goal here with the use of some of these 3D spaces with your teachers? You had mentioned earlier on in the podcast how. You've slowly been rolling it out to them, allowing them to play and discover and get curious. You know, the big sort of question for many leaders is to what extent do I eventually mandate something? Is that something in, you know, in the future for you? Or are you going to continue to just trust the teachers that once you expose them to these wonderful sort of spaces that could be great for hybrid learning, that they'll run with it if they feel the need? Or do you feel like you have to have something that says, you know, you must use at least one or two or three of these in your teaching? Well, just loosely speaking, the idea is I'm, I'm going to be in charge of all of the projects next year. So um, we've pretty much got our list of projects for the year uh, worked out. Um, and I'll be I'll be in the classroom teaching those projects uh, two times a week, nine groups. I've got 18 periods of teaching next week, next year. And that's where I'm going to introduce the techniques. And I'm going to try and um, define what is good practice around uh, around the around the, the, the VR worlds. I'm going to invite teachers to team teach with me. I'm going to invite teachers to come in and watch my classes. If they're going really well, I'm going to invite parents to come in and, and, and see what we're doing in, in that realm. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, I, I can put together through the course of the year, like a fairly concrete sort of playbook um, for what to do in that first year. And I'm pretty sure as well, just through my enthusiasm and, and through my, you know, my concentration that I can bring to those practices, I'm sure I can get teachers enthused about it. The, actually, the idea is in second year, what, what we want to do is um, start to use them in science and English and maths, science, English and maths. 
Um, and then again, ask to ask 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 our our teachers to at least once a week um, have one class in this environment for each of those three subjects. That would be English, science, maths, and I'll continue with projects. So at the end of two years, we should therefore have like enough data and enough sort of experiences to 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 draw upon where we can start to say, okay, now what do we do from this point onwards? Um, uh, when we get to that point, you know, I'd like to like invite the opinions of teachers and parents and of course the students. What I'm actually thinking is going to happen is that the, the students are going to love it so much they'll be pushing and pushing and pushing for more and more and more. Um, but we, we're trying, we'll pilot the ideas in the first year, sort of try and sort of formulate a, a playbook, a methodological playbook that teachers can conform to in the second year. And then in the third year, if everybody's comfortable, what we'll do in that third year is, you know, I'll, I'll definitely give more freedom to teachers to try and in, to, to introduce it into the subject that they think is relevant. Obviously, you know, when you're talking about it, like, I wouldn't want to, you know, a teacher might come to me and say, you know, I really want to put it into history. You know, I think history and geography is also like a really great areas to, to put these in. So I don't really want to limit it, limit it either. But of course, I think in, in a school that's the size of ours, and we are really quite a, a small school, I think it's definitely, uh, you know, there's definitely an onus on teachers to come in that they, they must be receptive to these ideas. And we must be receptive to how it can be used in, in the classroom. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned math. That will be an interesting one because it does take, in my humble opinion, quite a bit more creativity uh, and thinking outside the box in regards to your math curriculum to to get what is it that's the context that we can then bring them into a world where they're going to use their math skills. So that'll be an interesting one to follow. Yeah, I saw an amazing class. Uh, Andrew uh, posted something where they were in. They were actually in. in uh, they were in Rome, right? They were in a marketplace in Rome, using using bartering skills. But actually, you know, behind it was history and maths combined. And that that way of thinking about you know, transdisciplinary subjects that are really engaging for students is is the basis of phenomenon based learning. And you know, a lot of the research that you know, I'm seeing coming out of Finland is that these are the these are the types of activities that really, you know, allow children to access deep learning experiences and 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 in really take something with them from that from that experience. So I, I think you know as it as it goes along, I think you know we're gonna I'm gonna have some resistance uh, from from teachers, I'm sure. But also at the same time, I'm sure there's gonna be some fantastic surprises, and you 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 know yourself from your time in schools. Um, you know, there'll, there'll be some teachers that just catch the idea so well. That in a year they'll be masters. They'll have mastered it, and then there'll be teachers ex- exactly you know behind them in in a process of learning about it. But I'm sure, I'm sure, sure, sure that that some teachers will arrive and work at the school, catch the idea, and you know they'll be absolutely uh, you know pushing that envelope forward over over the course of that first year. Well said, John. Is there anything else that we haven't really talked about that you feel you wanted to bring up before we wind down this episode? No, I, I think, you know, long term, you know, I, I just finish off with this. And, you know, I, there's the, you know, education in the world, we're, we're facing some really big challenges at the moment. You know, if you're not even looking at, you know, global warming, you know, if you're just looking at education, uh, you know, the, the UNESCO is, is claiming there's a huge shortfall of teachers uh, in the world. That is only going to keep growing, and so if you think about by 2030, um, the number that I've seen is you know we're going to we're going to be lacking 263 million teachers 
by 2030. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like numbers that are so big and vast that you think, you know, how, however, how, how are we going to jump some of these problems and some of these issues? And, but when you look at the, the converging technology of AR, VR, and, you know, 5G networks, that's where the solution is to these big issues in education. You know, you, what you want to move towards is a situation, you know, in from like, nine, like 2030 to 2040 that, you know, most of these most of these programs are free, easily accessible on the Internet, that, you know, people can pick it up in any part of the world, in any kind of social situation. And we can like move towards a, a, a you know, free, free, fantastic quality education. I mean, that's kind of like where I'm where, you know, I would love to see the planet take all of these ideas but the key for me absolutely is in the metaverse and you know it's, it's you know the third space the metaverse you know however you want to refer to it but as that technology will seemingly you know as if by magic within five years that technology is going to be absolutely wild and you know out of the park and if you know teachers can get hold of it now and you know schools can like take that first step and become you know they, they will become uh, pioneers in that space, and they will be able to, you know, beat, you know, you know, beat that curve of learning. Um, I think those are the schools that are going to do really good, well over the next ten and twenty years. And when I'm looking at a long-term strategy for Klekio Ikigai, I'm thinking, like, where do I want Klekio Ikigai to be in twenty years? I would love it to be right at the cutting edge of innovation in in technology. Um, uh, but that's going to start with just taking these baby steps now and, and getting people socialized to some of these ideas. And better to do it now. You know, the best best time to plant a tree was yesterday. And, you know, the best time, the second best time is today, and the worst time is tomorrow. So if if you're if in if schools are thinking about doing this and, and 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 doing it, there's so many people out there like yourself, like me. There's so many people that are just willing just to share the have the conversation. You know, open the dialogue. Let's let's talk about it. It's, it you don't necessarily have to present a solution, but I think getting started down that road is what is going to be. The, it will be the difference between creating real 21st century leaders who can solve wicked problems and who can think in a different way. And to students that are not going to be 21st century leaders and who can't solve problems and they can't think in a different way. So for the students that are in my care, I think this is a wonderful addition. It's not the whole part of the school, it is a, 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 is, but it is a very important part of the school because I want our students to be able to project a future that has this type of technology and that will affect their lives, that will be present in their work-life balance, that will be in their financial situations. You know, all of the things that are happening in the world at this moment in time can be distilled down to sort of certain key technologies and one technology that has a revolutionary which will be revolutionary is is, is vr ar metaverse blockchain technology um life logging mirror world all of that is going to play a massive part in our in our children's future and i and i just want to be part of it john i don't think I've heard anyone sum it up as well as you did. That was a brilliant little vignette there. So thank you for that. John, thank, if, oh, thank you, Craig. If people are interested in how you know things are going at your school or just want to keep sort of talking about this, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Sure. Well, I mean, I'm very active on LinkedIn, and that's how, how we came in, in, into contact. Quacky Oiki Guy has got his own website. Um, and of course, uh, you know, I'm active on Facebook. I'm, I'm actually, I also have a, uh, 
I also have um, a TikTok account, which has gone really well. I've got thousands and thousands of followers on my TikTok account, but I suppose the best way would be through LinkedIn, because really that's where I'm sort of channeling all of my sort of pedagogical thoughts and ideas at this moment in time. Pe people feel free to reach out to me. I'm, I'm working on a project which is going to be, um, it's basically going to be a metaverse playbook for my school. And so I can sort of like give my teachers on their first day some kind of digital guide of what I want to do with education. And I'm going to try and change that as, you know, every year we'll try and update the playbook. Um, once my playbook is ready, I'm more than happy to share it with schools. I'm happy to jump on Zoom calls, meet people, talk to them, and and, and just open the, the conversation. All education really is, is a dialogue. And it's, uh, if you can, the richer the dialogue and the deeper the dialogue and the more people are involved in that dialogue, the better their outcomes are for, for the children. Wow, fantastic. As they say in elementary schools around the world, sharing is caring. Absolutely, yeah. And it's also the basis of what we need in the future, right? You know, if we're going to beat any of our problems, any of these big problems that now face us, especially global warming, climate change, emergency, emergency global warming, we have to operate, we have to collaborate. You know, we have to give things away. It has to be a process of us finding shared common ground and what better places, what better technology to exist in this moment in time as, as, as these spaces and these ideas. John, thanks so much for sharing your passion, your insights, and uh, we really appreciate uh, that you're hopping into this sort of new medium or modality for kids to inquire, to lean in, to get more excited about school. So thanks again for waving that flag. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Perry. It's an absolute pleasure to be asked to, to, to express myself and give you my opinions today. Thank you very much for, for, for interviewing me. Um, and if anybody's interested about Click Your Ikigai and you know, how, how we can collaborate, please feel free to get in touch with me. I, I, I adore collaborating with other educators. Brilliant. Bye for now. Bye-bye.